hungry. I'm sad. <laughs> I can still hear the Zach Bryan music playing from the kitchen. What are what are your emotions with? I'm indifferent. Georgia Georgia beat Florida State by sixty points. Uh, Nick Saban's Ooh, not going to add another national championship to his repertoire. But Matt is sad, which makes me sad. This uh, year, this year, he's not going to add another national championship this year. to his repertoire. Well, he's going to retire, so he's done. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> he had to anymore. win. Yeah, uh, he was and, only going out on. Honestly, I'm more shocked than anything. I mean, both games went very different than I expected. Both of them did. Yes. Especially the Same. Washington game. Because I thought Texas was going to steamroll Washington. And I and I thought Agreed. Washington was good all season. But then you look who they play. You look... I mean, obviously, Oregon was a good team. There's some pretty solid teams in the Pac-12. But Washington just doesn't have the same talent that Texas and Alabama and Michigan and Georgia and Ohio State and all these top teams have. And they're getting there. I mean, Kalen DeBoer's done a great job. He's recruiting well. He's bringing in the right guys from the portal. Obviously, Michael Penix, huge pickup two years ago. Um, he's been phenomenal the last two seasons. Everybody now thinks that he got snubbed for the Heisman. I'm still I'm not on that train still because I like Jaden Daniels. But, um, I mean, I would say in terms of just all-around clutchness and just intangibles, Michael Penix is probably the best quarterback in the, in the country. He has to be. And he definitely proved that to me. Oh, I'd really love it if the Falcons took him. I really would. But it's so wild to me. Like, if you look at the three of us, like, we got both the playoff games miraculously incorrect. But all four of our New Year's Six Bowl games went exactly as we pegged them. Oregon destroys Liberty. Missouri beats Ohio State in a low-scoring game. Georgia throttles Florida State. And I'm Ole Miss, Ole Miss beats beats Penn State in what we said would probably be high scoring, but enough of a two possession gap. Like we were so right, but we were also so incredibly wrong. Obviously, I'm disappointed Alabama didn't win. Um, but that was it was such a good game, but it was so sloppy on both sides. Michigan tried to beat themselves. The muff punt that led to the first Alabama touchdown. The first play of the game started off almost in terrible, terrible fashion. Uh, J.J. McCarthy tried to throw the ball away. Was an interception, but Caleb Downs' foot was out of bounds, didn't establish position, like reestablish himself as an inbounds player. So it didn't count, but Michigan just didn't look great. And Alabama had an inability to take advantage of those mistakes aside from the first muff punt. Then you had the muff punt at the end of the game, which was almost disastrous for, for Michigan. I thought it was a safety. Like for a split second there, I thought it was a safety. Well, yeah, yeah. He had possession. Now, if, it, if the ball had been like bobbling. Oh, yeah, ball, yeah, yeah. It was a good call. It was, it it was, was the right call. call right ball call. on the one. Um, it, it, you know, like that kid, though, like if <laughs> – Good for him, and I'm I, like I feel like you got to give him credit because he had the awareness to get the ball, not go into the end zone, and like maintain possession. Like it was, and how he maintained possession when he when he got hit, Kendrick Law lit him up. I really thought at that point that he was going to fumble it. Alabama was going to jump on it, sneak out with a win that they didn't really deserve, but. The Alabama team that showed up in the Rose Bowl was not the Alabama team that showed up in the SEC championship game. And then inversely, 
I don't even think Texas really played that poorly. Quinn Ewers did not play well. Quinn Ewers was terrible pretty much all night. Uh, the, the last drive, he made a really good throw, and then he had A.D. Mitchell on that last play. A, a well-placed ball, and that's a touchdown. But he did not throw the ball in a good spot to give his receiver even a chance. Uh, Quinn Ewers, I thought, was not very good all night long. And that was my key to Texas winning. I did not see Michael Penix coming out and doing what he was doing. And that almost wants me to makes me want to ask a question. You know, last week we talked about how recruiting schedules are jacked up, transfer portal schedules are jacked up, the way that everything works now. Do you think, and y'all can disagree, I just want to know your opinion, that maybe we should change the Heisman voting until after the first round of the playoffs for those fringe guys that are, do you want to give playoff games and, and New Year's Six Bowl games even? This, the ability to sell. Bo Nix played really well as well. Bo Nix played well. Michael Penix played really well. And it almost gives this ability to, after the first round of playoffs, not the national championship, say, hey, here's an incentive for playing in your bowl game. If you're a fringe Heisman candidate, like you're going to play in the bowl game because, like, a nine and three team like LSU, Jane Daniels is going to play in that game if he's got a chance for the Heisman. Like, what do you think about that? I, it's it's really hard for me to say because comparatively, I'm trying to look at it from the same perspective of the NFL to college football. But in the NFL, we find out we find out who the MVP is the night for the Super Bowl. But as Matt just so informed me, they vote on that at the end of the regular season. So it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing with college football because it's apples and oranges. Like I said, it, it's it's the same it's the same sport but different games. Um, so I really don't know how to look at it that way. I mean, in a sense, yeah, the regular season's over, conference championship week is over, so you do get an added incentive of having the conference championship game to add to your highlight tape. But it's so weird because you can look at it from two perspectives. You could say, yeah, Bo Nix played great. But he played Liberty, or and then you could say Michael Penix played Texas, and it was in the playoff, and it had more significance. Or in Jaden Daniels' case, if you would have given him the incentive to play, okay, well he beat seven and five Wisconsin. Yeah. So it's like it's so hard because I would say keep it like it is now because once you start doing that, it's so hard to say, well, hey. You know, Wisconsin's defense, Texas's defense, Liberty's defense. And then you go into this whole thing of, like, the problem is this, and I've heard Josh Pate talk about this, is that we don't have an even system in aligning bowl games, right? The number five team from the ACC doesn't play the number five team from the Big Ten, or the number four team from the Big 12 doesn't play the number four team from the SEC. So there's, like, not even matchups, like, Wisconsin was probably the sixth, seventh best team in the Big Ten. LSU was very easily the fourth or third, maybe anywhere from third to fifth. You know what I mean? I know they lost to Ole Miss, um, but they beat Missouri. So it's like, where do you put them, you know? So it's not an even matchup. And then obviously Bo Nix, he played Liberty. And I get it. We give the group of five team a New Year's Six. It is stupid. 
And in Liberty, I, I, I told Wit as we were sitting on my couch on that first drive, I said there was nothing Christian about that first drive. These Baptists came to play because that was a good first drive. But then Oregon just took over. And I don't know that I think you got to keep it where it is because, you know, yes, it may give them an extra incentive, but it'd be really hard to back things up after everybody's devalued and watered bowl games down as it is now. Anyway, it would be so hard to take that into consideration and to convince you convince the Heisman voters. I don't know who they are. These are nameless, faceless people. I mean, you'd have to convince them to take it into consideration because a lot of them might not even change their vote. What if Jaden Daniels? I, mean, I disagree. What if Jaden Daniels? That's why I asked. I feel like Michael Penix wins the highest. I do that too. Game. I actually, if that I actually game counts, I absolutely agree. I agree, and not and I. Wit said it. I think, I think Jaden Daniels was worthy of winning a Heisman, but Michael Penix was right there, and honestly, his draft stock has got to be soaring. He's unbelievable. He can put the ball absolutely where he wants to on a frozen rope. He can. I will say this, too. To to Matt's point, I mean, he said it gives players more of an incentive. How many Heisman finalists are we going to have that are not in the playoffs now that we have a 12-team playoff? Probably not right. a ton. It's going to be general, generally very few. Yeah, and we'll have some. Like, I mean, I don't think LSU would have made it this year. It would have been close. I don't know if they would have ended up making it or not, depending on how they end what up ranking were teams. They? I think they were like they 14. Were 15, 14 15. They were 14 or 15. I don't think they would have gotten in this year. No. Just because there, would, it, there was too many teams that were ahead of them. The only team that they would have had an argument against was Missouri, but they lost a third game. Yeah, Missouri only had two losses. Missouri had two losses. Yep. Yeah, but still, like at the same time, like there there might be some teams, but a lot of times the teams that are in the top 12 are going to have the Heisman people, the guys on there. The finalists are going to be in that playoff. So it's not going to help a lot with that. But I will say a large part of when they do the Heisman right now is because it's after Army-Navy week and before we start bowl games. So it's something to it's something to watch and do that's college football wise in between the end of the season and the beginning of bowl season. What I would like to see is if we started bowl season early, as soon as Army Navy's over, right, literally that next week, or or have the playoff that week. That actually might be a better idea. Have your first round that week, right after Army Navy. Take the Heisman, move it in between New Year's weekend when we had the semifinal games and Martin Luther King weekend when the national championship should be because they're never going to move it to a Saturday, which they should, but they're going to leave it on a Monday because of NFL playoffs. If they move it to that Martin Luther King weekend, then you got a Monday off from work where you can actually go to the game. You just have to take one day off instead of taking two. Like I had to do when I went to Indianapolis and then you had the Heisman in between. It gives the Heisman faithfuls a chance to play in the first round and the second round of the playoffs and it gives you that extra week before Martin Luther King, so the national championship can be a week later. And you get two weeks to prepare for the national championship, which I think is it's crazy that you get a month to prepare for the semifinal and then a week to prepare for the national championship. That's nuts to me. Well, and that's how that's how it will be next year, is that the first round of playoffs are going to be on December 20th, starting that weekend. So... This, Which this, will be the week after. On actually, the I should say this year. Happy New Year, uh, by the way. But it'll be the 
the twentieth and twenty first of December will be the first round of playoff games. Uh, I'm assuming that conference championship week will be December seventh. Army Navy would be the fourteenth, and then the following week after that, we're getting the playoff. So I, I don't know. I, I guess my my whole thing is is like there there's gonna have to be some sort of incentive for guys to play in bowl games. Now they're I think they're obviously we we kind of went into this rabbit hole last week. They're gonna do away with bowl games. I just I, I I wanted to go on that rabbit hole for a second, just because my God, Michael Penix played out of his mind. I mean, and and if he has that game in his arsenal, he wins the Heisman over Jaden Daniels because, while yes, Jaden Daniels did what he did and it was very impressive, we could all say the Pac-12 was a very good league this year, but we didn't really know just how good they were. This is the first time that the best team in the Pac-12 has had a chance to showcase itself and against a good team from another league. And my, my God, I mean, Phoenix made throws. I can't think of four times that I just said, what a throw, like out loud. Because through a frozen rope in between three defenders into the end zone for a touchdown, he had the touch passes going. He was able to put it exactly where he wanted it, when he wanted it. Oh, that... That throw he had in the second half, Aroma Adunze on the sideline. Yeah, that, that's what, that, on that's what I'm saying. On the sideline. I mean, it was it's unreal. The arm strength he showed, too, man. Like, he, he was putting it where he wanted it. The accuracy plus the arm strength. I mean, his draft status definitely did take a, a big leap. And what I thought Kalen DeBoer needed more credit on than anything was Texas was shutting down the run like we kind of thought that they would. Except for Texas never really accounted for Michael Penix being a runner. And they he used his legs enough to create. Got a couple of big first downs that way. And then the end, I mean, it got it got a little interesting there. I mean, the 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 it's unfortunate the way that it happened with uh Johnson getting hurt, the running back from Washington, Mississippi State transfer, gets hurt. It gives Texas an extra thirty-five seconds of play clock essentially or extra 40 seconds of, of play clock because of the injury timeout that had to be used. Quinn Ewers makes an outstanding throw, gets him in position and there's a play for the win of that game. So this was by far the best set of two playoff games. I think we've ever gotten mm-hmm. um, from a competitive standpoint, like Alabama, Michigan goes to overtime. Both teams didn't play very well. I don't think, but and then the opposite could kind of be said. Washington played extremely well. Uh, Texas, I thought, played well. The, they just got outplayed. And yeah. then in the third quarter, they couldn't get off the field. Texas ran five offensive plays in the third quarter. They only had the ball for two and a half minutes while but, yeah. while Washington had the possession for twelve minutes and thirty nine seconds. But that script was completely quarter, flipped it, in the fourth quarter. And then the fourth quarter, it was the opposite. Texas dominated time of possession. They moved the ball effectively. I mean, it just, to me, that was really good football that was being played oh, yeah. between two of the best four teams in the country. And you tip your hat to Washington, they win, they move on. And quite frankly, I mean, I don't really know what to say other than I've got a lot of crow to eat because I thought Michigan was really good early this year. And I like early this season, I was like, I think if there was a year for Michigan, and I, we've all said the same thing, if there was a year for Michigan to do it, this is the year, this is the best overall team they have. The closer we got in the game, though, I was like, 
And they really did struggle with Ohio State, whose offense was pretty inept for most of the year. And they really did struggle with Penn State for a while, who I watched uh, on Saturday, I watched their offense struggle. And Drew Aller is not a very good quarterback at all. How good is Michigan's defense really? They're legit at all three levels. Defensive line is legit. Linebackers are legit. Secondary was way better than I expected them to be. They were playing man and able to stay in lanes. They disrupted uh, Jalen Milrow's timing. They were on time with all the snaps. They caused a lot of the bad snaps. Now, Seth McLaughlin had a horrible year. He's in the portal. He is in the portal. But, oh, the irony that the first touchdown of the year from Alabama was a snap over Jalen Milrow's head that he ran back and got, then turned into a touchdown, and then ultimately the season ends because he he rolls a ball. Jalen Milrow should get a gold glove for – for how much he was uh, – I mean, honestly, the snaps were horrible all year. The fourth and 31 play in the Iron Bowl doesn't happen if Seth McLaughlin doesn't snap the ball over his head when yeah. he's not paying attention. I saw on Twitter it was like 15 or 16 bad snaps throughout the season, which is which is ridiculous considering we've played now for Alabama 14 games. So that's, oh, that's more than one bad snap a game. That's awful. Yeah. For a starting and, and center in the was, SEC. And there was some bad snaps that didn't get counted. Like in that game, there was one that was snapped, and Milrow had to catch it over here. Like it, he he had to move his hands, and it was a fastball too. Like it was not an easy ball. And I remember Herb Street said something about it. He was like, "Ah, that's an, like even the good snaps are not good snaps right now for Seth McLaughlin." And some of it I do think is on Milrow. Uh, Milrow did not make any adjustments at the line of scrimmage, which he struggled with all year long. He didn't make any blocking changes. He didn't change any blocking coverages. He didn't change any reads. It was all reliant upon what the sidelines were passing in. And they can't see everything. You've got to have an elite-level quarterback in those big-time games that can make adjustments. And that was something that I think Bryce Young didn't get enough credit for uh, in years past. I mean, now Bryce Young was the number one draft pick, but so he he obviously was was highly touted. But I thought that he did things like that uh, at an elite level that made him even that much more valuable. Well, and it almost if you go back and watch it, aside from the snaps, there were other things in that game that Alabama could have done. To, to win that football game that they did not well, do. Justice Haynes running the ball four times for 31 yards. Right. Like you're right. averaging over seven yards a carry and you're not giving them the ball more. And I, I even made that comment while we were watching the game. I was like, let Justice eat. Justice Haynes is a true freshman. Let him have his Najee Harris moment. Najee Harris did the same thing in the in the national championship right. in 2017. Yeah, Tommy. Let, let him shine. Tommy Reese didn't do Jalen Milrow any favors with the way no. he called plays. But Alabama's offensive line did not hold up. And you were talking about how good Michigan's defense was. You are correct. They are legit. That front four gets after you really well. And Alabama's offensive line has been one of their weakest points all season, if not the weakest point all year. And they just they struggle to protect Jalen Milrow, which also put Jalen Milrow in a situation to where there was some times where Michigan got coverage sacks, but they weren't coverage sacks because the defensive line just got there and beat the offensive line. But even if you do look downfield, Michigan, Milrow had nowhere to go with the ball because Michigan had such great coverage. This is I'm not giving into Matt's BCS theory, but these actually, after watching that, these may be the two best teams in the country. Like, they really may be. And because you want to talk about 
how good Michigan's defense is and how good Michael Penix was, are we forgetting how that the Joe Moore Award winners are Washington? Michael Penix has all day to throw. Had oh, yeah. all day to throw against Texas. And that Texas defense, that defense is a line? good defense. Yeah. That was very Texas legit. has a really good defensive line. And they held their end of the bargain. This is going to be... I never thought that we would get to this point to where I actually truly believe we said it over multiple occasions throughout the throughout the talks since they announced the playoff. We thought Washington, not in terms of ranking, but in terms of ability to win a championship, if you line them up and said one through four, who do you got? Washington was four. I don't I we were wrong. We were so wrong and on the our playoffs. was right again. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> But talk before he goes into a whole spiel about how <laughs> no, the BCS well, not, is correct. I'm not. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think I think it's easy to say that Michigan all season long was a top two team at the very least. Um, obviously, I think all of us felt the same way. Everybody thought Michigan was a top two team up until you saw them play against Penn State. We kind of figured out, we talked about this a lot throughout the season. Halfway through the year, we went from saying... Penn State's actually got a pretty solid team. They got a five-star quarterback. They got two really solid running backs, some so-so receivers, decent offensive line, and a really, really, really good defense. I think we kind of figured out that that wasn't the case. Penn State was not as good of a team as we were giving them credit for. And the same with the committee. They gave them way too much credit. I think we saw that with Ohio State as we went on through the season. Kyle McCord, not a good quarterback. Probably the worst Ohio State quarterback I can remember in my time of watching college football. Um, so in terms of that, you say, all right, well, they struggled with Penn state. They struggled with Ohio state, obviously in a rivalry game at home, they could have lost that game easily. So are we really going to think Michigan's going to come out here and beat Alabama, but they showed up, they played the way that they did all throughout the beginning of the season. Washington pretty much all year has looked like a phenomenal team. I'd say they had a couple games here and there, like Oregon State. They didn't look great. Um, they had a few more, like Washington State, I think they struggled with. Completely random games, like random late-night games that they just didn't dominate. But every time they played a good team, they looked like a top two to three team in the country. Then you play Texas. Michael Penix pulls out a run game out of nowhere. I didn't see him run the ball at all this year. And he ran the ball against, I think he had like 30 or 40 yards rushing against Texas, which is crazy. It's honestly, it's like what CJ Stroud did against Georgia last year. Phenomenal passer, Heisman finalist, doesn't even use the run game, and then he pulls out the run game out of nowhere. So it's funny because I think actually Washington, not only are they better than they've looked all year, they're actually better than anybody gave them credit for all season long to begin with. For sure. Even better than the, sure. team, the guys that said they were good, which is crazy. Yes. So Yes. Like I, I thought no matter if, if Washington won this game, I was still going to think Michigan – or Alabama was going to blow them out. I do not feel that way. I actually think Washington is is the better team going into the national championship. I think Michigan's yeah, more I think talented. They're the more physical team. For they're sure. the more physical Absolutely. team. I think Michigan's more talented, and I think Michigan has better all around coaching, but not by much because yes. I think T- Kalen DeBoer is also. I mean, it, it'd be hard not to He's call a him a fantastic coach. It'd be hard not to call him a top five coach in college football right now. With yeah, what he's done you you mentioned Kalen DeBoer. I think one of the biggest things that Washington has in their deck of cards is that the continuity. You know, I feel like we often forget that Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix date back to their time together when they were in Bloomington. You know, you get 2020, the year that Tom Allen, great man, RIP, he's not dead, but he got fired. Um, 
So RIP to his Indiana career. But you look back in his best season at Indiana, they went what seven and two, right? Seven and two in twenty twenty. I don't remember what their record was going into the bowl game. I think it was seven and one when they played Ole Miss. Their one loss was Ohio State. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, that sounds. But they were in the Big Ten East, so they didn't play in the Big Ten championship. And the Big Ten only played like a six game schedule. Yeah, they played. Yeah, they might have been five and one. They might have ended six and two or seven and two, one or the other. But um, that was their best year. And who was the quarterback? Phoenix. Who was the offense coordinator? Galen DeBoer. Galen DeBoer. Their time together in Bloomington, Indiana, is the reason that they are there where they are now. The continuity of Galen DeBoer to when he was hired. He had one year at Fresno State, right? Michael Penix is still in Indiana. And at this point, what, in 2021, I remember even having conversations. We knew who he was. Like, even watching him at Indiana and the rarity that you would watch Indiana games, you still knew who Michael Penix was because he was a name. We all saw in 2020 how good he could be, oh, you and then he got hurt. Yeah, with the ACL, they became they they were a completely different team without him. Oh, yeah. It was a it was night and day. I don't think he played in the Ohio State game either that he year. He didn't. He, was, he tore yeah. his ACL in the game before that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that the thing is, though, is Ohio State went up, and Indiana almost came back without him. But that was... That was 2020. But <clears throat> the fact that Kalen DeBoer was able to go to Fresno State for one year, and as soon as he gets the Washington job, go get Michael Penix out of the transfer portal, brilliant. The continuity of DeBoer and Penix is the key factor in why Washington is in the position that they're in. And I never thought... At the beginning of the year, I, I said it last year off air in discussions we've had. I said, Washington is going to be a team to watch. A team to watch. But I never thought that we'd, they'd be in the national championship game with a solid chance to win it. Because Washington is a physical football team. Very physical football team. And they have the ability to run and throw on you. Their biggest weakness is their pass defense. But their pass defense is what saved them the game because that was a great play by that corner to break up that pass to A.D. Mitchell as time expired. Yeah, I, I mean, I really don't even know where I'm leaning yet because I disrespected both of these teams a ton this year. And, and unintentionally, like I know I've said over and over again, like Michigan's really good and Washington's really good, but how good really is Oregon? Because who have we seen them like really – dominate and then i saw washington struggle with teams like washington state which obviously that's a rival game rivalry game but still like there was several games that i saw washington that were it was like why are they in a dog fight with arizona with state Ari Ari yeah with arizona state who was terrible i absolutely awful and i think i let those games get in my view and so going to the pac-12 championship i'm like Oregon's going to smoke them because Oregon had kind of gotten on a run where they completely obliterated Utah and they had just they 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 were feeling themselves. And they came out and they punched Oregon in the mouth. And Oregon was stunned. I mean, like you could kind of see it a little bit on Dan Lanning's face early. And they responded and they came back and it was a close game. But it won the line of scrimmage in that game. But if you watch that game, like I remember coming away and being like, I don't know. If if that was just Washington felt disrespected, and I kind of like was like, all right, well, I mean, I guess is is Oregon just not that good? And I think now 
Oregon's really, really good. They're a very, very talented team, and Washington just beat them twice. And they were, the Pac-12 was up, like we all said. Everyone said, like, oh, yeah, the Pac-12's up. And then you'd look at Oregon State at the end of the year, and you're like, oh, wow, they've got four or five losses? Like, four losses going in bowl season. Obviously, bowl didn't really count because none of their guys were playing. Their head coach was gone at that point. It was it was weird. But you you looked at Oregon State, and you're like, four-loss Oregon State to prop up your, your schedule for Oregon is not great. Washington being Washington, like, ah, maybe the Pac-12 was – more the most competitive conference, but maybe not the best. They were good. They were legit, top top to bottom. And this is a win for the Big Ten because next year these are two Big Ten teams that are playing for a national championship. When everybody was doing the opposite thing, and and the talking point was Alabama and Texas and the Natty, two SEC teams of the future playing against each other. Big Ten, you know, gets gets a win there. So, not um, to not know. to mention that this game is in Seattle next year as a conference game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Michigan's got a very, very tough schedule next year. Uh, but, you know, we can get to that later. Uh, I, I feel like we should just go ahead and do our picks for, for, for the Natty at this point. Absolutely. I say we get into it. Chad? I wasn't prepared. Somebody filled the dead air. I wasn't ready. I didn't have my phone ready. I, mean, I, I didn't know where you were going to go. I, I, you know, I, we this, can only analyze the game so much. Well, I know. I'll tell you without looking. The spread's four and a half. I've been I've been looking at it all day. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan, four and a half. All right, Houston, NRG, NRG Stadium in Houston. Oh, here you read it. Oh, all right. Monday, January eighth, seven thirty p.m. ESPN. Number two, Washington. Number one, Michigan. BCS one and BCS two. The college football playoff one and two. Face off in Houston, NRG Stadium. Line is Michigan four and a half, over under 55 and a half. Quit. Start us off. That was beautiful. Well, I kind of yeah. already alluded almost, to it. Almost like he's been sitting next to me all year. Yeah. I already kind of alluded to it. It's Washington. I'm going Washington. I think it's close. I think this is one of the better national championships we've seen um, just because of how close I think these teams are going to be. Like I said, I think Michigan's got the edge in terms of talent. I think they had the edge in terms of running backs, especially with uh, Washington starting running back. Dylan, I believe his last name is Johnson. I don't know. Dylan Johnson. Yeah, so he got hurt in that game. I don't believe he's playing for the national championship. I don't know if he's been rolled out yet, but I think he's going to be out. It seems that way. Uh he was I, on crutches after the game. Yeah, so, so he's out. <laughs> Hang on. Stand by. I got a Bleacher Report notification for this today. Well, correct me. Correct me as I go. But either way, if they don't have the running back, yeah, keep that's, a big, that's a big loss. But for Washington, they're very physical, but it all leans on the passing game. It's all about Penix. Dylan Johnson... Dylan Johnson expected to suit up for Huskers for Huskies and CFP championship. He's playing. Interesting. All right. Well, then never mind. As Go of that out. As, as so as of Wednesday, January third at eight thirty seven p.m. Eastern time, he's playing. Washington's offensive line against Michigan's defense and Penix against Michigan's backfield is going to be very interesting. I think that's the matchup to watch for. Um, I honestly trust. Michigan's defense against Washington's offense. I think that's a better matchup for Michigan 
Then they had to get, well, I mean, obviously against Alabama was a perfect matchup. Uh, but Michael Penix, to me, he's got all the intangibles you want in a quarterback. He's got the arm strength. He's got the accuracy. When he needs to make a play in a clutch moment, he always makes the play. Always. Or he'll pull out a run game. Or he'll pull out a crazy back fade throw. Like he, He's done everything possible to lead them to this national championship. They would not be here with Michael Penix at all. 100%. I think we could all agree on that. Um, on the other side, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, uh, Roman Wilson. Michigan's talented on offense, but I think I trust Washington's defense against these guys more than I trust Michigan's defense against Penix. So I'm going I'm going Washington. I think it's ooh, three or four point game. I'm going to say like 34-30, maybe like 32-28, somewhere, like, somewhere around that range. It's going to be one of those like middle tier, good defense, good offense. Both these teams play really well. And at the end of the game, it's just whoever makes the play at the end. I trust Penix to do that. That's why I'm taking Washington. Well, we're not all going across the board this week because I'm going to go Michigan. Um, I, I really don't know who I actually think is going to win this game. But when I break it down and think about it, uh, Jim Harbaugh outcoached Nick Saban in that game on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just did. And when you look at Jim Harbaugh's ability to coach, there are very few guys that we've ever seen. I think him and Pete Carroll are maybe one and two uh, to to be able to do it at the college level and have a lot of success. And then go to the NFL and be able to replicate that same success. They're just, they coach football. And I watched that game on Saturday. And Michigan didn't play that game like a college football team. They played that game like an NFL team. And Harbaugh's ability to identify NFL talent, develop NFL talent, and create schemes in a very NFL way. Michigan plays not like a Big Ten team, but like an NFL team. Washington plays like a very good physical Pac-12 team. They can air it out. Phoenix, dude, can sling it all over the yard. I do think, though, I think Michigan, while Texas had a very good, sound defensive line all year long, their secondary got exposed a little bit. They got beaten some one-on-ones. Roma Dunze is a stud. Um, and I don't know how Michigan's going to have their hands full with him, keeping him locked down. Uh, Polk, I can't think of his first name. Polk had a, had two catches that were big, and he had two catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown in the game on Saturday for Washington or for on Monday for Washington. Overall, though, I just I think that when you when you break it down, you're getting two really good coaches. This is Jim Harbaugh's moment. I think he rides out. And ends his college football coaching career as a national champion. Michigan wins. I don't know why I would think Michigan wins. I don't know that they're going to be more physical. I just think that J.J. McCarthy is going to make enough plays. And I think that Harbaugh is going to have them play a much cleaner game than they played this past weekend. I've got Michigan winning this one and a close three-point win. Washington covers the spread. And Jim Harbaugh goes on to coach the Las Vegas Raiders. Ditto on every single thing you just said. So, Witt, 
we don't need the tiebreaker anymore. With I'm the in. lone wolf. I'm in. Huskies. I like that. I like that better Huskies. than the FCS national championship. That's this is much better. I I'm I'm with the exact same way as Matt. Like, I want to pick Washington. I, I want Washington, Washington to win. I want Washington to win. I personally want Washington to win. But it almost I can't explain. It, I've been rooting for them all year. No yeah. way. I don't I think anybody. Have. I don't think anybody's cheering for Michigan. They can't be. Besides Michigan fans, except besides people in Michigan and all those retirees. And, and maybe oh, no. maybe Harbaugh Big Ten fans who just want to see a Big Ten team. team win. But even I mean, Washington's about to be a Big Ten team. So, but how like how yeah. fitting would it be, Chad? I know I know we're talking before you get your pick in, but no, it's okay. How fitting would it be to see Washington? Win a national championship, the last year of the fourteen playoff, a year when and last year of the Pac twelve. Yeah, the last year of the Pac twelve, a year when honestly, I mean, before the season, we said there's four teams that can win a national championship, and it was Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. Those are the only four teams, and here we are with Washington having a very, very real chance to win a national championship, much more real than TCU's last year. <laughs> oh yeah, so, absolutely. TCU didn't have a shot. No, didn't have a shot. Now, how much will how much will Michigan's inability to scout Washington signs last year does that come into a play here? Mm. We saw it happen last year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Jim. Bring back Connor know. Stallions. Connor Stallions is at the Rose Bowl. Did you see that? No. I got a ble- I got a bleach report update. Someone got a picture of Connor in the stands at the Rose Bowl. I think it was God. fake. It had to be fake. I didn't look at it. Oh. I just I didn't actually look. I was working today. I don't sit on my phone at work. What's I work. My phone is my work. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I work. I work. Never on my phone at work. But I really I I don't have a lot to say much different than that. Michael Penix is really good. JJ McCarthy is solid. I think he's very Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron, game manager style quarterback. I don't think he's very flashy. But I think he can make enough plays. And the difference in this football game is Michigan has the ability to lean on Washington more than Washington has the ability to lean on Michigan. Yes, you're talking about the offensive line of the year award going to the Huskies. But Michigan's front is incredible offensively and defensively. Washington's weaker side, while their front four will get after you, their pass defense is bad. Michigan may get into a situation where they're going to have J.J. McCarthy make throws and then go to the run game. You see a little bit different of a Michigan offense where they run, where they pass first to open up the run, and then they'll take over. It's going to be a very physical football game, I can tell you that. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I do think that Washington, I think four and a half is correct or they're around four and a half. I think it'd be a three, four, five-point game. Um, I could very I could very much see 27, 24, you know, 30 to 24 type situation. Um, like Witt said, a very a game stylistically where it's they're playing good defense, but they're also playing good offense as well. I just think Michigan's front has the ability to get after Michael Penix better than Washington's front has the ability to get after J.J. McCarthy. Um, and I also think that even though he is going to play in this game, I think Blake Corum is the advantage uh, at running back versus Washington's running back because that's what Michigan's offense relies heavily on. But again, like I said, I think Michigan will take an opposite approach to open up, to get the pass going, to open up the run. 
it just feels like Harbaugh's year. I'm completely on board with Matt in that Michigan has been doubted all year. There's been the scandal around him all year. Michigan's played 13 games, and Jim Harbaugh's been the head coach. Or excuse me, 14 games, and Jim Harbaugh's been the head coach in eight of them. Veteran, player-led team. This was their opportunity after losing to Georgia and then being embarrassed by TCU. Not embarrassed by score-wise, but just embarrassment from the fact that they lost to TCU. It's Michigan's year, and I fully agree. Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. In fact, hopefully the Atlanta Falcons. But I think Michigan wins, and that team finally gets what they need. And then Brian Kelly comes in Ann Arbor next year after Harbaugh goes to the National Football League. Michigan's your national champion. Matt, go get your daughter. Yeah, she's got a pick. Oh, she oh, got a pick. Yeah, we'll do that later. <laughs> we'll do that later. Do you guys, if she comes up here, she's not going to want to leave. She could do pour one out, cut them off with us. <laughs> I doubt it. She, <laughs> she's not going to let. She's not going to let us get a word in. We'll run through that real she's quick, quick and then we'll get her up here. Chad. Uh, well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for the for the games. Oh. For the games. We have no more games to pick this year. This is like the saddest time of the year. It's a, it's a depressing thing. It's a depressing thing. Hey, less than 100 days till the Masters. It's true. Thank the Lord. We're, we're four weeks away from NASCAR. Indeed. Indeed. Spring training starts in February. We've got the Player Championship in March. That's right. And down in, in, in we're the NFL playoffs. The NFL playoffs. Yeah. This is the last week of the NFL regular season. Yeah. Last week of NFL regular season. Thank God. Hopefully the last time Next I have to watch the Falcons for another year. Unless. Oh God, it's all Unless. Unless. All they got to do is win. And then the, pair, the Panthers, the Panthers have, to, have, have to win. I hope we beat the Saints, and I hope the Bucks beat the Panthers. Because I don't want to watch the Falcons anymore this season, but I don't want to lose to the Saints. Actually, I would. I actually hope the Saints kick our ass. Because I want our. What's the difference in draft pick number? Uh, we're eight right now. Well, if we lose, we're eight, which will be the third consecutive season. Arthur Smith has gone seven and ten and picked eighth. And Arthur Blank's already given him the uh, lauded vote, vote of, confidence. of confidence. Yeah, no, he's. See, but he's that's there. why I'm saying I hope the Saints kick our ass because I want Arthur Blank to go. Yeah, maybe not. We are. We are nine. Hey Jim. Hey Jim. Jim. And if we win if we win yeah. at best we'll be ten because New Orleans. Or if we lose at best we'll be ten because New Orleans will jump us. Yeah. You know, you know one thing that before we pour one out, cut them off. One one thing that I think it's really important to have a head coach that everyone wants to play for is for free agency. Because in NFL there's a salary cap. So you can swing a player to come play in a city if there's a good Really good head coach that everyone wants to go play for. Arthur Smith is not that guy, pal. He's no. just not that guy. No. That guy. Arthur Smith should try his hand at something else. Uh, you know, I hear the shipping industry is really good. You know, I, importing I, and exporting. Importing and exporting logistics. I hear that that business is booming. Yeah. You know, I hear that uh, Vandalay Industries is looking for latex salesmen. 
He'll be this. He'll be the uh, vice president to the CEO. Yes. Yes. But with for the final time of the regular or of the college football season, you pour one out and cut one off for buddy. So I'm going to use this time to speak about me and Chad's road trip that we just went on. Uh, all through Florida, a little college stadium tour. Chad got to endure in his first taste of the uh, the itch that is the co- college football stadium tour. And uh, well, now now I have to now I have to change my pour one out. Are you pouring one out for the tour? You can still pour, pour one out for one the out tour. For ra- I was <laughs> pouring one out for Rowdy on the road. <laughs> you can still pour one out for Rowdy on the road. I was going to pour one out for. Which- for Orlando because I liked Orlando so much when we went there. We that's true, and I'll yeah yeah, and I'll pour one out for Tampa. Sounds good. Yeah, Orlando was awesome. Uh, we talked about it on the uh, the road trip diaries that should be coming out uh, not this week but next week more than likely. Uh, me and Chad did about probably about two hours worth of shows, uh, three different shows that are all going to be slapped together. So uh, if you guys want to hear about all the dumb crap we were doing throughout the week and uh all the nerdy college football stuff we were getting to experience then check it out because it was, it was it was pretty good so but uh orlando is my favorite place we went to i i thought it was the slowest and uh the easiest to get around miami was oh, did not enjoy miami i'm not going to cut them off not because it wasn't that bad but definitely uh definitely not my favorite time for sure but orlando was awesome very much enjoyed it um but I'm going to be cutting off Florida State fans, and this is why. Florida State fans, I was on board with you guys. I kind of understood 13-0. and Obviously, you deserve. You're one of the four most deserving teams to make it to the playoff. You just were. It makes sense. It's been, it's been over a month now. Just shut up. We're over it. We're, I'm sick of hearing it. Look, you didn't make it. You All your players opted out. You got your ass kicked in the Orange Bowl. You lost by 60. We don't need to hear, well, Jalen Milrow only threw for 163 yards, blah, 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 blah. Tate Rodemaker would have done better than that. No, he wouldn't have. Michigan would have destroyed Florida State in that game. I think we can all agree on it. I mean, Josh Pate, I listened to him this morning. He put it best when he said, even the people that felt like Florida State should have made this playoff, even in their heads, they're going, thank God Florida State was not in this playoff because it was way more fun and way more interesting and way closer because Alabama made it. So Florida State fans, I understand the issues, but just shut up. We're done with it. Move on to next year. Hope now we got a 12-team playoff. It's not even going to matter. Do the same thing. Hope your team rebuilds and you'll be good. So uh, Matt, who you pour one out for? Yeah, so I'm pouring one out for the Peach Bowl. While you guys were on the Rowdy Tour down to the Orange Bowl, I went on the solo Rowdy Tour up to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. Watched the Ole Miss-Penn State game uh, with fantastic view. Uh, Absolutely, I've got to say, I've been to bowl games before. That was my first ever experience at a New Year's Six. And the Peach Bowl did an incredible job. Uh, top to bottom, you could tell there was a, a, a different air in the, a different feeling in the air. Um, I was actually in the Penn State section, which was really funny because um, I got I got to talk to Penn State fans that were extremely nice, uh, great great fan base. They traveled 
extraordinarily well. Uh, I would say it was probably 60-40 Ole Miss fans uh, because the Rebs are excited right now. Um, but Penn State fans, uh, they're starting to turn a little sour on James Franklin. Like they, they, I was I was down in line at the bar getting a beer, and it was like the in between the third and fourth quarter. And this guy walked past me, and he just said, I hate you. And I was like, you hate me? That's a bit extreme, don't you think? And he said, I hate you because you're better than us and you have a cool head coach. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry, but all right, man, have a good one. Like, he was just walking away. But James Franklin is starting to wear a little thin on them up there in, in Happy Valley. And, I mean... We, we talked a little bit about it last night. Like he's kind of in this weird, like Mark Rick era of Penn state where he wins 10 games a year and you've got to be very, very careful what you wish for because he's a good recruiter. He keeps you relevant. Penn state's right in the thick of it every year. And they play really close with Michigan and Ohio state every year. They just don't win those games and they want to get over the hump. They're ready to be over that hump. The, the, the chance you take, though, the risk that you take is becoming Texas A&M or Texas O'Smack Brown, where it was just it, you just dive into this hole where you're going to go through three-year rotation of coaches because you get rid of the 10-win coach, the Nebraska effect. I guess the Bre Nebraska is the perfect example in their own conference. Opelini winning 9-10 games a year. Boy, they weren't happy with that. They would, they would kill for a 9-win season now. Be careful what you wish for, Penn State fans. But the Peach Bowl was awesome. Uh, environment was awesome. Atmosphere was awesome. People were awesome. Had a great time. Uh, loved every second. The game was great. Uh, Ole Miss, first ever 11-win season in, in school history, which is which is kind of cool. Um, and just a, a, a great, great time. Great time was had uh, at, at the Peach Bowl. Would strongly suggest anyone to take in a college football game at Mercedes Benz if you ever get a chance. It it that stadium is fantastic to begin with, uh, but they do a really good job even in, to cater it to college football. Um, I I went to the Georgia Dome, the SEC Championship for Alabama Florida one year when it was in the Georgia Dome, and it was it was fine, but you it felt very NFL. -y. This did not. If the, the Benz did a good job of making it feel like a big-time college football game. So uh, kudos. Kudos to the Peach Bowl. Um, and I'm cutting off in a very similar way to what Witt was saying. I'm cutting off anyone who wasn't in the college football playoff complaining about not being in the college football playoff because I'm seeing a lot of justification based on results. And I said it before, the committee got it right. The four teams that they put in were the only four teams that they could justify in some way putting in over one another. And I know Florida State fans don't want to hear that you could justify 12-1 and SEC champion Alabama over ACC undefeated champion Florida State, but truly, you are a different team without your starting quarterback. Inversely, I've seen a ton of Georgia fans going on and on about how they should have been in the playoffs still. Look, there's four spots. There's four spots. And when one of the four teams has a head-to-head -head win over you, 
in the SEC championship game. All you had to do was win that game, and you are in. And you're in as the one seed, and you're probably playing against uh, Washington in, in, in the Rose Bowl. They would have got the Sugar Bowl game uh, because of location. Uh, so they would have got the Sugar Bowl game. But you did. You lost the SEC championship game. And I understand that. And I, I will even admit right now, I think Georgia was a better overall team this year than Alabama. Guess what? You didn't show up. You didn't win when you needed to. You, and, and as much as that sucks and that's painful as a fan, you cannot now say, oh, well, Georgia would have beat the brakes off of all the teams in the playoffs because you lost to one of the teams that was in the playoff. It is what it is. So next year, 12-team playoff, we all hate it. Everybody else is going to like it because when we see Georgia and Alabama play against each other for the third time next season, everyone's going to go crazy about it. Or, or Georgia and Ole Miss play for a second time next season. Everyone's going to be like, oh, this is the best thing ever. No, it's not. It's stupid. Rematches are stupid in college football. It should only happen in very rare occasions like in 2011 in the national championship. But it is what it is. Uh, on we move. Chad. I don't have a cut them off this week, but I completely agree. Oh, Chad, both of you guys. I thought you were going FIU. It, no, save that for the road trip diaries. Ah, They'll let them. That's let why them find I didn't do it. Dang. Oh well. All right, never mind. Let them be. Let them be. Let them hear how angry I was there. I'm feeling happy. It's 2024. Even though I sound new year, new me. That's right. New year, new me. I, I need to take a picture in the bathroom selfie and post it on my Instagram with that caption. Everything will be all right. Yeah, there you go. 2024. But just to say this, and then I'll get into my poor one outs. Um, cause I have outs multiple plural Florida state fans. I'm going to address both of them. Florida state fans. Yes, you were screwed, but we said it on multiple occasions. The right answer was the wrong answer. Regardless, and you could not justify jumping Alabama when they beat the best team in the country because I'm still convinced, in a sense, that Georgia is absolutely one of the top three best teams in the country, if not still the best team in the country who just happened to lose one game. Um, so I will say, too, it did come out today. Vegas put out odds for Georgia against all four teams in the playoff, and Georgia was favored over all four. Exactly. They're favored in the SEC championship, too. Exactly. Yep. So I'll address Georgia in a minute, but for Florida State, there was no justification for you getting in. Number two, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people on social media clowning Bama. Um, you just lost by 60. And I don't care. And Alabama, uh, Alabama lost in overtime. Like Alabama lost in overtime. See, everybody keeps saying, "Like oh, Alabama got their ass kicked." No, they didn't. They, they we we had the ball up four with the lead. With, with the that's what I'm saying. We were yeah. up. We were we were up seven with less than three minutes back, to play, and we were up up three with the with the. Uh, it, it, yeah, the, there the, was no ass kicking. The justification of saying that Alabama wasn't good enough based on what they did against Michigan is stupid. That makes no sense to me. Alabama, asinine. Michigan was it was better than any other it's game asinine. would have been. Yeah, I agree. It's literally asinine. It's so stupid. And let me let me just tell you this: the main point I want to get across, Florida State fans, 
Um, and and I'm not saying this about George. Like I'm not saying anything to appease Georgia fans because I hate you both passionately and equally. Florida State. It does not matter if you had Jordan Travis. It does not matter if you had Tate Rodemaker. It does not matter if you had zero opt-outs of the guys who opted out. You were going to get your ass destroyed one way or another. It would have gone the same way. Maybe not as severely. It would have been 60. It wouldn't have been 60. If you get Jordan Travis and then Trey Benson and Keon Coleman. It would have been 20. 17 and, to 20. And Verse and all those guys on the D-line, they would have lost by like 21. But Yeah. But either way, you know what I'm saying? Like if Georgia's second and third stringers were kicking Florida State. Florida State pass. pass. Yeah. Will Muschamp's son threw a pass. He got a first down. They had a walk on from He Tech. smiled. I think that's the first smile I've ever seen from Will Muschamp. <laughs> they had a walk on Caucasian fella from Texas running the ball in the entire second half. Come on, man. Like Florida State, you were gonna get your ass reamed. Either way, so shut the hell up. There's no justification there. As far as Jordan, however, Chad did say, "quote I love Florida State." <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. I'll get to that in a moment. I'll get to that in a moment. I should have phrased it differently. But as far as Georgia goes, look, Georgia fans. As much as I hate you, you have a point. You, Matt, don't make that look because I'm going to explain it. Oh, okay. I thought you were. I don't trust you sometimes. But Georgia fans, yes. You are absolutely probably still the best team in the country. Or one of them. Really? Yeah, yeah, like, however, you knew the deal. You knew the deal. And for those of you who had convinced yourself that, oh, even if we lose to Bama, like, we're good. No. You needed help. You knew it. You knew that if you lost, you needed help. You needed Oklahoma State to beat Texas. You needed Louisville. Well, you didn't need Louisville to beat Florida State, actually, because that you'd have jumped Florida State anyway. Um, but you needed Texas to lose. And they needed Oregon to beat Washington. Because if you, because if you get into the mix of three one-loss no. teams, Georgia, Oregon, Washington, I think that Georgia against... It, that would have been a conversation. I don't think that game. I don't. I don't think that game would have made a difference. I'll be honest. I think Oregon was going to be in. I, yeah. I. I think Texas. I don't think Oregon would have mattered. I think Washington would have dropped out. Oregon would have jumped in, and it, Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas is what Georgia needed. We had to. We That's had to have needed. Texas get beat by Oklahoma State to get in. You had to have Texas get beat. And see, Georgia. Witt's a Georgia fan. He knows that. And that's what that, that's yes. what I'm saying for the rest I, of you. Wit 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 is reasonable. It wit is logical though. Yes. As I, as I feel like we all are. I, I have mean, my moments. The the I only the only too. argument I've had, and, and I've I've said this to both of you guys. I think because they use the excuse of Alabama's better than Florida State to put them in, and then you leave out Georgia for Texas and Washington, which Washington has just proved against Texas that they're a top four team. So I can't justify that anymore. I could say I think I think we'd beat the shit. Sorry, Keys, out of Texas. I honestly do. After watching them, and I'm not I, saying they're I, not a bad team either. I agree. I'm not saying they're a bad think, team, but I at think, the same time, Texas I, only got in because they beat Alabama. That's the only reason. I think. They made. Oh yeah, no, that, that's yes. why. So yeah. Texas and got and, they, and Texas got the most deserving treatment. Washington, and then Alabama got the best team treatment. So we played well, both the, cards. The, that's that the, was the, my the biggest problem. problem. 
the, the but the, I understand the, that. The, but the reason they did it was for a justification oh, I know. standpoint. I know exactly you, what they You did can it. say that a, a, a one-loss SEC champion's not getting left out of the playoffs. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like, right. And that was the thing. Like, one-loss Alabama is the SEC champion, which is – that seems to have been that blown by the way. wayside because they were using – Okay, like Florida State was using LSU to prop up their schedule. Well, Alabama beat the same LSU team much later in the year. Jaden Daniels was rolling. When Jaden Daniels, well, I mean, and he got hurt in that well, game, won the game by two possessions. The difference, the difference between what Alabama the did over, and what Florida State and what Georgia did is Florida State and Georgia were better teams early in the year, and then Alabama got hot at the end of the year, which is that's just how college football works. That's why I, That's I have never complained about Georgia missing the playoff. My only complaint and, is they yeah, use the, two different little little schemes to get Texas and Alabama in. But at the same time, they, they that's, done, what, that's that what I knew they were yeah, going to do. Exactly. So, exactly. So I knew is, that what they were going to do, and it didn't disappoint me. We're going to do something we've never done before. This has turned into an overall cutoff. So overall, we're cutting off the people and saying this. They got the shit correct. Shut up. You know who Both else, of you, you know who else got it correct? The computers. The computers got it right. Technically, the computers had Bama at three and Texas at four. Yes, but it was but who was one and two? Sometimes I wish that window would open and you would just fly out of it. <laughs> Sometimes I wish it would too, because I wouldn't have to watch the the shit that is that college football is turning into? <laughs> is this the first? No, nah, this isn't the first year. This isn't the first year we've had one versus two, is it? Uh no. Clemson and no. Alabama were one versus two several years. Yeah, uh, I think all three years in a row it was one versus two. But I'm, I'm pouring one out for Rowdy on the road. Um, I'm just gonna stick with it. I'm pouring one out for Rowdy on the road, and I, Matt did say that I said I love Florida State, and that is a screenshot. He got he got to it before I could delete it. <laughs> I th when you sent it, I, I took a screenshot. I, was I went like, back and deleted it. Did you see? No. Oh, I didn't as know you deleted you it either. <laughs> as soon as you started texting my cousin that I said that, I went back and deleted it. I was like, maybe I beat him to it. No, no. I, you said, I know you said you have no proof, and I was like, oh, oh, but little does he know I do. I knew you did. I knew you did. I believed you. I knew you did. But I did say I love Florida State. I will, let me rephrase. Tallahassee was really cool. Tallahassee's a cool city. Um, overall, Whitport went out for Orlando. I thought Orlando was really cool as well. Now, we found the hood. Don't worry. We found it. But um, <laughs> Right past Camping Tampa, World. <laughs> yeah, right past Camping World. I mean, my God. It, we went from like really nice to holy crap. Whit, yes. Don't lock the doors. It was literally like, um, it's like they split it right it down like the middle. It was like a block. Yeah. Yes. But I'm. So you, it's like Turner Field. Yes. Oh God, Turner Field was dangerous all around. There's no safe place at no, Turner Field. The parking lot. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> imagine you Turner left the Field. Parking lot, it wasn't safe. Imagine Turner Field, but then when you get past Turner Field, it's like a really nice area with like some cool bars and like the nicest fire station I've ever seen in my entire life. So if you took Alpharetta and put Alpharetta yes. north of Turner Field, well, it was an, and then Alpharetta's South probably Turner a little Field bit nicer. Let's call it's it like if you, it's like let's call it the battery. It, yeah, it's okay, like it's okay. like if you walked out of the battery and then walked across the street to where that Waffle House is. It's like if that turned into what was on the other side. Of that, that actually field. it actually I mean, used to be was, like that, too. It's gotten better. It used yeah. to be pretty good yeah, outside yeah. of the battery area. Not but like, maybe it, not as it, bad. 
I'm telling you, like as soon as we went past the Amway Center, because we were we were just killing time, and I was like, let's go see where the Magic play. You pulled up underneath. You go across the railroad tracks through downtown. You go underneath this bridge, and Amway's right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you, I was just there. Oh yeah, yeah, you were. That's true. Oh yeah. <laughs> but as soon as soon as you go past it, and you get to the soccer stadium, it's just tents and trash and homeless people everywhere. Ooh. And it was like, oh god. But. <laughs> That, turn around, turn around. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say anything negative about Orlando. Orlando was really nice, but Tampa, like Tallahassee, was awesome. I loved the campus of Florida State. I loved seeing Dope Campbell. That's a very nice. It's a very nice. It's stadium. very nice. Stadium. Very nice stadium. Very nice stadium. Which, like Whit said, go listen to Rowdy on the Road. The what did you call them? The uh, Road Diaries, Road Trip Diaries. Rowdy on the Road Road Trip Diaries. Go listen to those whenever Keys gets those released. Um, and you'll hear all of our synopsises. Um, St. Pete was cool. It was the first time I personally had ever seen the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I'd never seen it before. Um, it's a lot nicer than Tybee. It is a lot nicer than Tybee. Um, Tampa Bay, super. I loved Tampa. Tampa was great. We didn't find the hood in Tampa. I'm sure it was somewhere. We didn't find it. Um, it's in St. Pete. <laughs> I didn't think St. Pete was bad. It's not. No, no, St. Pete's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that the, the, the hood of Tampa. The hood, the hood in Tampa is where our hotel was. <laughs> it was a little. It was a sketch looking area, but it I, wasn't I terrible. It, was it wasn't as bad as the hood in Miami. It was older. Miami was by no. Far yeah, worst. We, we found. Yeah, we found Little Havana. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, man. Like overall, just pouring one out for Rowdy on the road. The worst part about our trip was. Definitely Tampa to Miami. That took forever, even though I oh, did take a little nap. Dude, the, the Everglades. But oh. the Everglades, the Everglades lasted forever. Although that was cool. It was cool. We didn't see any we didn't see any Panthers or any Anacondas, but you know Everglades yeah. is still yeah. really cool to just, say, hey, I drove across the Everglades. Just a couple of monkeys um, and lions, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. But man, like I I'd, I'd never seen the Gulf of Mexico. I've never seen like South Beach was really cool. I didn't enjoy Miami near as much. But South Beach was really cool. Um, I've never seen water that blue before. It's really nice. It's incredibly nice. I think Chad um, saw his first cruise part- ships, too. No, I've seen cruise ships before. I've never seen cruise ships that big. Yeah, like real cruise ships. Like, I've never seen real cruise liners like that. Like the Royal I've Caribbean I've seen a cruise ones. liner, but not one like that. They like, were huge. Yeah, the... the Cruises that leave Jacksonville are not the same. Oh no, 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 no. They're smaller. They're, they, they're, they're not... The river's not as big. Yeah. But just, like... I also have never seen, like, if you guys can tell, I don't travel very much. <laughs> I, I, shocker. But, like. I've never that, seen blue water. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to solve, if you can't tell. I'm trying to solve that all now. I've never seen, a, like, this is just a stupid little thing, but I've never seen a bridge that opens for a boat. Did you never drive down Highway 80 to, like, the uh, Down Islands Expressway? No, no, no. I have, but I've never been. I've never like seen it happen. No, oh, it used to happen to me all the time. I've just never seen it happen. The, the drawbridge. Yeah, we got we got now stopped they, at one. Had to turn around. We got stopped at one, and Wit turned around. Yeah, um, I went over a different. But overall, one. like overall, yeah, like I need to. I enjoyed it. That was awesome. Rowdy on the road was awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't not mark any more. I didn't mark any more states off of my. Um, map of the u.s because i've been to florida before but it was awesome man florida's really 
Florida's cool. It's an interesting state. It is an interesting state because it, it is, it's, and, and it it's, is, it's as it's as much of a melting pot as the United States because of how regional it is. Like the, Central Florida, South Florida, North Florida. The truest statement, completely different. The truest statement I can ever think of is: the further north you go, the more south you get. Yes. Because that is absolutely correct. Because the difference in Miami and Orlando. And then, like, where we drove through when we crossed the state line Wednesday night is, like, Statesboro to Tallahassee, it was not interstates. No. It was all back roads. back roads. Where we crossed the state line at in Florida is just an extension of Georgia. Yes. Gainesville can be pretty redneck, too. That's where the George jokes come from. No Gators, Paul. <laughs> yeah, like I said, stay tuned for the Rowdy on the Road Road Trip Diaries. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.